Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Put Your Cards on the Table, the only podcast where we talk about Commander more than anything else. I'm just kidding. That's that's all magic podcasts. I'm that's back right. again with Isaac. Hello. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be going over uh, the Commander decks that are now fully revealed for March of the Machines, uh, some mechanics, some upgrades, as well as a quick reminder as to how plane chase works for everyone. Um, and Isaac, if you want to do that right here at the start, what is plane chase if people are unfamiliar? Yeah, absolutely. So plane chase, uh, it originally came out a number of years ago, quite a few now, uh, in a, a series of promotional decks. That, that This was before Commander really exploded onto the scene. Uh, so it was four 60-card decks. Uh, they were all themed decks. Um, so if you folks are familiar with Maelstrom Wanderer uh, or Shardless Agent cards like that, those were all from one of those four decks. Uh, there's quite a few of those cards that have uh, maintained uh, playability and popularity to this day. Uh, Vela the Nightclad was another one of the Plane Chase cards. Um, again, they weren't commander decks, but they did feature legendary creatures as a big part of it. And uh, essentially, the big part of Plane Chase as a gameplay format is that it, it's always been a multiplayer format, so it overlaps well with Commander. You've got four people playing, and then you have the planar deck. So at the start of the game, shuffle up the deck, flip one over, and that's the plane that you start on. Each one of these cards will have a, a, a static effect or a planar effect, and that just remains in effect, typically, for as long as you stay on that plane. And then it has a little symbol that represents what we call chaos, uh, and, uh, and that is a special effect that can occur sometimes uh, as a result of a particular die roll on that plane. Essentially, once per turn, each player can roll a six-sided die for free, uh, if you do so, rolling a traditionally what would be a six would be chaos ensues or on the on the special dice, they have a planar die where it's the planeswalking symbol for the one and the chaos symbol for the six. So a six or the chaos would ca cause chaos to ensue, which would trigger whichever effect is on your card there. And then rolling a one or the planeswalker symbol would cause you to uh, flip to the next plane. You flip over the, the card in the deck and you move on to the next plane. Now, some new stuff that has been introduced this time around are these uh, things called Phenomenons, which if I remember correctly, uh, those were not in the original Plane Chase uh, deck and Plane Chase format. Essentially, uh, it's sort of like a Phenomenon is to a plane what an instant or a sorcery is to a permanent, right? So if you flip into a Phenomenon, you do what it says, and then you flip again and land on a plane. Uh, those are like wacky little effects that can happen between planes. Um, each one of these commander decks comes with, I believe, 10 planar cards. They're intended to be all put together into one larger uh, planar deck. And uh, for the first time, we're actually seeing uh, some cards that interact with the plane chase part of the game as well. Uh, notably, if, for example, you're on a plane that you don't want to be on because maybe it hurts you or it benefits one of your opponents, if you aren't able to roll to escape that plane right away, you can pay mana to continue rolling the planar die for extra chances. The first, uh, the, the first payment is one mana, and then after that it is two, and then three, it increases by one every time. So that's essentially the core uh, gameplay loop for plane chase applies now just as just the same as it did uh, many years ago uh, but like i said now we're actually seeing a handful of cards that will interact with that which i think is really nice because sometimes it could get a little frustrating to uh, be stuck on a plane as much fun as the format is and uh, that could definitely be a pain point in the past uh, but yeah i'm pretty excited to see the return of plane chase i will say if you guys plan to play this in your commander games expect them to take longer yeah, uh, Plane Chase is a really, really good uh, kind of uh, addition to basically any format, uh, basically only for casual circles. I don't know why you would ever do this in competitive, but it is very, very entertaining. The uh, The planes have some really interesting effects, like the equivalent of really big flashy enchantments that can lead to some really cool or really fucked up plays. So it is really 100%. entertaining, but you are certainly correct that it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah. Me and my friends used to play, uh, me, me and a handful of my friends used to very regularly play uh, Plane Chase alongside our Commander games. And it did increase the length of those games by probably a solid 50%. Like, we'd be there for 
over, upwards of an hour sometimes too. Um, now those those with those decks were you know those were back when I was in like high school and stuff. So you know I didn't know as much about the game or the format, and those decks weren't necessarily as as powerful as uh, you might see them today. Uh, so that would also contribute to the to the speed of the game. But basically, whatever speed you're used to playing at, expect it to take a bit longer. Yeah. Overall, uh, very, very fun stuff. I am excited to see it come back. I think that Plane Chase has always been a cool thing, and it allows Absolutely. for like adventures into very cool areas, uh, planes that we haven't seen or rarely visited. Uh, and it yeah. makes a lot of sense for it to come back from March of the Machines, where these planes are being invaded. Um, right. So very, very cool stuff. But let's go ahead and move on, uh, if you are ready, to the first of the what, four Commander decks is what we have, I believe. Two, three, I believe there's four. five. One, two, three, four, five. Wow, yeah. Oh, my God, there are five. Okay, this might take a while. That's all right. This is actually, before we get started, one thing I wanted to say, this is a little bit of a sticking point for me. I don't mm. know why I'm annoyed by this, but Wizards of the Coast, please decide if you're going to do four or five commander decks. <laughs> Can't just keep it the same. Just pick one because, and keep it the same every set. Yeah, because like when Commander, what is it, Commander Masters or whatever that's coming out yeah. later this year, that's got four. I'm going to lose my mind. What's going on? That's Anywho, right. uh, so uh, we'll which one are we starting start, with here? Uh, up here, uh, are you on the uh, official wizard site as well? Uh, I'm on the MTG Goldfish. Uh, uh, okay, I, I, for me, the first one is Growing Threat. Alrighty, let's take a look at Growing Threat. Now, this is the Phyrexian themed mm -hmm. deck, right? Yes, the uh, the Orzov, uh, the the white black Phyrexian tribal with kind of an incubate sub theme or Absolutely. or a Phyrexian token sub theme. That's right. Mason, uh, do you want to tell us who our who our commander is for this deck? Absolutely. So our main commander, the the kind of face commander. All of these come with uh, with two quote unquote like commanders, right? There's the big face right. one, and then kind of the secondary that's just in the deck. But you could use them as the right. commander. It's if an you option. You could swap yeah. it out. Uh, our main one is Brimaz, Blight of Oreskos, which is two anonymous, white and black, for a 3-4 legendary Phyrexian cat. That says, whenever you cast a Phyrexian creature or artifact creature spell, incubate X, where X is that spell's mana value. If anyone doesn't remember from last episode or isn't familiar with incubate, that is, uh, create an incubator token with X plus one plus one counters on it, and for two mana, transform this artifact. It transforms into a zero zero Phyrexian artifact creature and retains those plus one plus one counters. And at the beginning of each instep, if a Phyrexian died under your control this turn, proliferate. Uh, following that up, um, we have kind of a, a, our secondary commander here, is Moira and Tishar, which is mm. three anonymous, white and black, for a 4-5 legendary Phyrexian spirit bird with flying, and whenever you cast a historic spell, return target non-land permanent uh, from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, exile it at the, at the beginning of the next instep. If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Yeah, um, right on. Out of these two, I think just... That I think that they're both very fun, but just right out the gates, I think that Brimas is so much more fun. I would be inclined to agree. Yeah, kind of Phyrexian tribal, creating yeah. more incubates, and then when your Phyrexians die, you proliferate all your incubators yeah. and make them even bigger when they transform. It's, it's really cool, and it plays really nicely with a lot of cards. I mean, obviously cards that have like the Phyrexian creature type, or just artifact cards in general. Um, but also, like, if you look back, uh, cards like Throne of Geth, which is, like, a classic, that's from the new Phyrexia set, it's, a, it's like, a classic Phyrexian, um, corrupted kind of thing from Mirrodin, it's, a it's a two-mana artifact, you can tap it and sacrifice, uh, an artifact to proliferate, so you could s sacrifice one of your little incubator tokens to proliferate the rest of them, and then obviously that's gonna trigger Brimaz as well. Uh, notably, Brimaz can trigger every turn as long as you continue to have uh, Phyrexians die on your field. So taking advantage of that, it's going to be a really powerful thing to be able to do. Uh, interestingly, that that final effect, the at the beginning of each instep, if a Phyrexian died under your control this turn, proliferate, it's kind of like a mini Atroxa effect. A little, yeah. With the added text, instead of a brick of keywords like Atroxa is, instead you get the bonus incubation whenever you yeah. cast Phyrexians. So this is a very, very interesting creature, and obviously would go great in the 99 of Atroxa. 
Right, absolutely. But, uh, I think a really cool opportunity that this set and this deck and, and these cards really bring to the table is that with the grand, uh, the, the, the second grand creature type uh, retcon of Kaldheim, uh, when we got a whole bunch of cards that were refitted to have the Phyrexian creature type Atroxa included, um, there's obviously been a, a very big kind of gap of like, hey, Atroxa is like kind of representative of like the uniting of the Praetors and like Grand Phyrexia as a whole. Obviously, it would be super cool to play like a Phyrexian tribal deck, but doesn't doesn't necessarily have all that kind of synergy outside of maybe Infect. Um, a really cool opportunity that we have here is the way that incubators play with proliferate, right? And so not only can you put Bramaz in an Atraxa deck, you can fill that deck up with incubate effects and oh, yeah. it's gonna and it's gonna go off. Um looking at the deck list overall, I I love this. There's a lot of cards in here that I just have I, I am I'm a bitch for some of these cards. I love Phyrexian Rebirth. I love Yogmoth's Vile Offering. They have uh they have Mirror Battle Sphere, Blade yeah. Splicer, and uh Psychosis Crawler in here. I, I love all these cards. Excellent stuff. Now I did want to say, um now for this deck, I think Brimaz over uh Moira and Tashar is gonna be a much better option out of the pre-con, right? And if you're trying to play a deck like that, taking advantage of the Phyrexian creature type and Phyrexian creatures and incubator tokens and stuff like that, Bremaz is obviously going to be a much better option. Yeah. Though I would like to say Moira and Tashar is going to be a powerhouse of a card. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. It is very good. Historic spells can be flung all over the place, especially yeah. in Commander, and if you have any sort of artifact sub-theme. Like, literally all artifacts count as historic. So right. this is going to be crazy. Whenever you cast a historic spell, return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It does not have to be, it doesn't have to a, be a creature. creature. Yep. Yeah. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's like unearth rules, right? If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Where I see this absolutely going off is in eggs decks. Oh, yeah. Either playing Moira and Tashar as the commander, or like I used to play uh, Brea Ethereum Sculptor as a oh man as, as an eggs commander is extremely powerful. Yeah, <laughs> that, it sounds like it. Um, eggs for anybody that's not familiar with it, it's a pseudo storm archetype that's generally um, it, its intention is to play the zero one uh, costed artifacts that say like you can like pay a little bit of mana to sacrifice it, and then it refunds you some mana. And it uh, draws you cards. So the idea is to cheapen those effects with various artifact cost reducers, then generate mana, throw them all into your graveyard, bring them all back with stuff like Scrap Mastery and Faith's Reward and stuff like that, and just keep spinning through like this until you've got all of these crazy triggers on the stack and stuff. Then you just blow people up or mm -hmm. draw your deck or, or what have you. Uh, Moira and Tashar... The downside is, I think the the biggest drawback of this card is obviously it's it's five mana, right? That's like yeah, that's a not insubstantial amount of mana to pay for this effect. Um, I don't know that it would be too powerful at four, but it is a four or five with flying as well, and I I think that, I think that's fine. Um, nevertheless, this is a very powerful effect that people are going to be able to take advantage of in really big ways. Yeah, I mean even um even at such a high mana cost. Obviously, there's not a ton of ramp in white and black unless you, you know, pay $80 for land tax. But um, I think that you can get some really explosive turns if you if you play your cards right here. Like Absolutely. You, 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 play, you, you play Moira and Tishar, and then you cast, like, a Soul Ring into an Arcane Signet into a Mox, you know, a, a, a Mox Amber. Yeah, and, and I will say that... <laughs> Obviously, there are, there are white and black being among them, but, you know, red and blue often, all the non-green colors, there's yeah. often conversation that is had of like, oh, like you don't really have ramp in these colors. There is an exception, and that exception is when you're playing an artifact deck. Which is um, what this likes to do with this Right, because if you're playing um, just like a, let's say I'm playing like black-white flicker, right? Like Triad of Fates is mm -hmm. my commander or something like that. Um, there's really no 
I'm not looking for artifact synergy, right? And and so at that point, it, you run a risk if you play too many mana rocks, right? Because you could get blown out. It could bloat your deck. Yeah. When you're playing an artifact deck, you have ways to bring them back from the graveyard. You have ways to sacrifice them. You have synergies with the, having that type of card at play. Uh, you can just chalk your deck full of mana rocks and tap them till the cows come home, essentially. <laughs> Uh, and and there's a lot of payoff there. So I think five mana in black white, while you don't tip traditionally have access to ramp like green does, uh, I think the the options are there to be able to con- uh, consistently cast this creature on turn like three. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Overall, I I like a lot of the reprints in here. We get like nettle cyst and the cards that I talked about earlier. All kinds of yeah. cards that I am just a bitch for. I love artifacts. Burnished um, heart, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. The deer. Never letting us down. Um, as well as some of the newer cards like Bitterthorn, Nissa's Animus, which is yeah. just sort of the Animus stapled to living weapon, which is really actually, cool. So, I actually really wanted cool to pick stuff. your brain on this card in particular, yeah. Yeah, uh, if we can. So, ob- so the the obvious comparison here is, in fact, sort of the Animus. Mm-hmm. It is, in fact, narratively the same sword. It's it just correct, uh, completed by the Phyrexians. So the main difference here is that Sword of the Animist is two mana. This is three, right? Now, this is Living Weapon. You don't have to equip it. Yeah. Uh, you can equip it to another creature for three mana. You don't have to equip it uh, to get it operating right away. So both of these equipments have an effect that say, whenever the equipped creature attacks, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So what do you think of Bitterthorn compared to Sword of the Animist? Uh, I think that it definitely depends on the deck, but overall, I actually like Bitterthorn more. And the reason for that is because it works with, like, enter the battlefield effects. For example... For example, right, Moira and Tishar can activate their ability and return Bitterthorn to the battlefield with a body attached to it with haste. Oh, does wait, it give no, the germ no, haste no, as it, well? It, it does not, actually. You're right. It ah. only gives the artifact haste. Okay, it doesn't quite work. It does not quite work. Right. But I, I, I still like it for, like, return to the battlefield effects because right. you get that ETB extra you body. Get that body. You don't right. have to pay that extra mana. That's just the style of decks that I play, and I know you love uh, graveyard play, so yes, I personally prefer prefer Bitterthorn more. Right. I don't think that Sword of the Animist is like not a good card anymore by a lo- by no means. Good lord, run both of these in your deck if you can. Yeah. Uh, but I I just like Bitterthorn more for my personal play style. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that I lean toward Bitterthorn a little more as well. Um, although I, I would say it definitely does depend on how important is it to you that your commander has the equipment attached to yeah, them, right? Because if you're playing a commander that specifically is going to benefit from having the equipment on them and not on the germ, then obviously Sword of the Animus is going to pay off a little bit better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, an argument that I've heard brought up about it uh, I've seen this kind of discourse going on online a little bit too. So another argument that I've heard brought up about it is that uh, even though sort of the animist, it does cause you to pay more mana to get an effect out of it. If you're keeping your mana curve really tight, uh, it does curve out better. Mm, plays a little bit yeah. faster. So if you get a one drop on turn one, sort of the animist on turn two, equip it on turn three. And then immediately swing. Right, exactly. Yeah, Whereas yeah. on no matter what you do with Bitterthorn, you're gonna have to wait till the next turn yeah. in order to cast it. Um, now I will say I'm gonna be hard pressed to find a deck that would play one of these that will not play them both. Yeah, honestly, just throw them <laughs> both in. Yeah, yeah. I think the only decks that I can think of that would consider playing Bitterthorn but not playing sort of the Animist are Phyrexian decks. That's I, that's the only, and even yeah, then, it I, might I be would worth playing anyway. Um, yeah, like if you're playing an equipment deck, especially if you don't have access to green, uh, you're playing Sword of the Animist already, and you are going to get a better thorn the second you can get your grubby little yeah. hands on one. There's no way you're not. I I think that overall, just like uh, colorless ramp spells are incredibly important in Commander, and I don't think yeah. that they'll ever be bad. Like, absolutely. Le- le- let's be honest. Let's be honest here. Sad robot, four mana, two two. It draws a card and fetches a land. Good effects. Yeah kind of mid overall the reason it's good is because it's colorless and any deck can run it and not only that like there's obviously 
you know, we're having a conversation. Lots of people have had the conversation of like Bitterthorn versus Sword of the Animist. Either way, these are two of the best colorless ramp spells oh, ever yeah. printed. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, and, and definitely are going to have a, a seat at the table. Yeah, for sure. But let's, uh, unless there's anything else you want to specifically point out in this deck, this, this I think, overall, what, what do you think, what, what do you think overall of the deck? Before we move on, I personally really like Brimas. I, if I, I think Brimas is sweet. Th this is looking like one of my favorite commander decks probably ever. This looks really cool overall. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much I love the deck list that they've provided in the pre-con. Yeah. But Brimaz himself is... This guy's tough, all right? Yeah. This guy goes hard. This is a sweet card. We joked last week that, like, when we first looked at it, we were both kind of underwhelmed, and we had a 30-minute conversation, yeah, and by the end, by the we were end, like, yeah. this is actually really cool. <laughs> um, I don't know if, if uh, Brimaz is my favorite commander out of uh, the 10 that we're going to be discussing today, but he's definitely in, like, the top three. And also, the art. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. It, 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 just like last time uh, with... What what was it? Mirrodin Avenged? Like it, it needs a it needs a parental advisory warning. That's the th that's the thumbnail. That's the thumbnail for the last video. If you haven't seen it yet, it's Karn holding Elish Norn's head with the parental advisory war oh, warning man. sticker on it. Yeah, that is delightful. Yeah, very good stuff. Very uh, excellent. But let's go ahead and move on to the next one I have here, and that is Cavalry Charge, which I know you are very Alrighty. excited about. Yes, so I'll let this you one take is my this favorite. one away. Yeah, okay, so Cavalry Charge. This is a blue, white, black, uh, and Esper Knight Tribal deck. I have a lot of sentimental attachment to this. Um, I have always loved Knight Tribal. Uh, I've been playing some version of Knight Tribal since, I mean, I didn't actively play Magic when Lorwyn came out, but that's essentially the first time we saw much support for Knights as a tribe. And ever since I got my hands on any of those cards, like when I was like a, a preteen, you know, I've, I've often played some version of Knight Tribal. And so I was very hurt <laughs> when the Throne of Eldraine Brawl decks came out, and there were three of the most overpowered commanders of all time, and then Sir Gwyn, the Knight Commander, <laughs> uh, who is fine if you're playing Voltron and even then it's like not the best option it's six mana it's not what you want uh and my feelings were hurt by that they were uh, <laughs> so uh we're looking at an opportunity here uh for Wizards of the Coast to earn my forgiveness on that particular slight so our main face commander here is Sadar Jabari of Zalfir now, notably, this card sees the return of the eminence mechanic. There's been lots of discourse about it mm -hmm. online. I think most of it have come down on the side of, it's fine. <laughs> Which I, I do think it is. I, I, I've definitely heard there are some folks that don't like eminence less on, like, a power factor and more on a sort of philosophical factor of, like, you shouldn't be able to get an effect by not paying for it. Mm -hmm. um so essentially sadar jabari of zalfir four mana four three one white blue black with eminence whenever you attack with one or more knights if sadar jabari of zalfir is in the command zone or on the battlefield draw a card and then discard a card so this means no matter how many players you're attacking no matter how many knights are attacking you're gonna loot once you're gonna draw one card and discard one card there's no way to change that though it will happen if you have Sadar Jabari in play, or if Sadar Jabari is in the command zone, that's where that eminence factor comes into play. We've got flying in first strike. Whenever Sadar Jabari deals combat damage to a player, you return target knight creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Notably, here's where this is important, you guys. One of the most exciting knight support, like knight tribal support cards ever printed from, I believe it was a... Uh, Ice Age. The Ice Age set. I already know who you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Hakon Stromgold Scourge. And this guess who's in, in the deck list? Yes. Yes. He's this back, first, baby. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen a reprinting uh, outside of like the list, I think, had one yes. in a long, long time. Um, And you know what? I've, I've, I've got to tip my hat to these guys because I can feel the wink on this card. Like, they put this in the deck. Not only did they do that, they designed this commander to be able to function with this card. Because the biggest problem with Hakon, you can't really play him as a commander because you can't cast him from your command zone. And then there are very few commanders that have a cross-section of 
being able to discard cards and caring about knights that are going to want to play this uh, card. So for anybody that's not familiar with Hakon, it's a uh, three mana, three, three in black legendary zombie knight. You may cast Hakon Stromgald Scourge from your graveyard, but not from anywhere else. As long as Hakon is on the battlefield, you may cast night spells from your graveyard. Whenever he dies, you lose two life. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> this is obviously a very powerful effect. Literally cannot play it as your commander. I mean, you could, but you would have to, like, command beacon it into your hand and then loot it into your graveyard yeah. every single time that you wanted to cast it, which is just not sustainable. Um, For it to get path to exile the same turn. Oh, like. <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah, you spend nine mana just getting it, not even casting it, just getting it into your graveyard. And yeah. Um, so, Hakon, Mono Black, not a, an option as a commander, obviously. Um, in spirit, to me, Hakon is the commander of this deck. Um, <laughs> I will say it's also very cool that um, the whole narrative aspect of like Zalfir returning. Uh, from being like unstuck in time when Teferi sneezed on it many years ago is very cool. So I really like seeing all that stuff. Sadar Jabari, this is actually his second card. He had one way back in the day. Um, really, really old stuff when we used to see those characters more often in Dominaria. Uh, Sadar Jabari, I'm very excited about. This one I plan to build a commander deck around, and I don't see myself like switching out the commander for the other option here or mm -hmm. any other ones. Um, I was curious before we started seeing previews of like what the blue support for knights would look like. We've seen white black a lot, and then we've seen red quite a bit too. So I was curious what the blue stuff would look like, and I was wondering, I was worried that there wouldn't be enough of it. There is, uh, and it's good, especially there's one particular card uh, that gives. A bunch of your creatures horsemanship we'll get to that here in a oh, second yeah. um but outside of sadar jabari the other legendary creature in this deck uh, which is an option for a commander is elenda and azor these are two creatures uh two characters from the ixalan uh narrative if anybody's familiar with that and so comes out with us having a legendary creature vampire knight sphinx very sweet type line there <laughs> so elenda and azor that's a six mana six six in white blue black so three white blue black you got Flying and Award 2. Whenever Alenda and Azor attacks, you may pay X, White, Blue, Black. If you do, draw X cards. So essentially, and we saw this effect on Azor as well, though only in Blue, White. You get a blue, you get a Sphinx's Revelation, you get a, a, a Blue Sun Zenith uh, anytime that you, you, you so desire, whenever this creature attacks. And then you have an effect that says the beginning of each end step. This is the second time we've seen this now. Each end step... Uh, I'm glad they're really pushing the kind of multiplayer aspect of these cards in a very multiplayer-oriented set. So each end step, you may pay for life. If you do create a number of 1-1 Black Vampire Knight creature tokens with life link equal to the number of cards you've drawn this turn. So you're going to be looking for lots of ways to draw cards at instant speed. Uh, cycling is going to be a great way to do that. There's obviously lots of instants, probably lots of aristocrats effects that are able to take advantage of that. I wouldn't play this as the commander of this deck. Um... It would be fine, I think, because being essentially having just a huge mana sink to get huge card advantage is going to pay off, right? No matter what deck archetype you're playing, no matter what tribe you're playing, you're going to get the payoff of that, right? Because having more cards in your hand is going to make your deck play better. Um, the, though I think there, the, this card strikes a delicate balance. It's six mana. It's We, we were talking about uh the, the the previous black white legend being kind of expensive at five this is six that's a lot of mana now it does protect itself which is nice it's got ward two but not only having to pay six mana to put it into play but then having to dump x amount of mana into it as well yeah. after that not even on the same turn you got to wait for it to come all the way back to you um that's an investment that you're gonna need to protect right yeah um now, putting this into play when you already have a bunch of ways to draw cards at instant speed on other people's turns, I think is gonna where it's going to look best, because then every single end step from the very moment that it comes into play, you're going to be able to start generating tokens and generating value. Uh, but I'd be hard-pressed to want to play this card. I'll probably continue to play it in the 99 of my yeah, Sidar Jabari yeah. deck. Um, it's got the knight creature type. You ain't going to take that away from me. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely I think what this card looks like to me is a sort of tempo or control 
top end finisher. Um, the like second commander deck I ever played was a send triplets deck. And it was because I had encountered the control archetype for the first time. And I was like, you know what? I want to try this, but I'm going to promise myself that I'm going to play traditional control. We're not going to win with any combos. We're going to win with like a seven mana four, four <laughs> and beat somebody down while I counter their spells and stuff like that. This reminds me of that. It was in, in the same colors and everything. Um, although this one would be in the command zone rather than just having like the control yeah. value of send triplets in the command zone. I, I gotta say, just looking at this deck list, it looks insane. Like Herald's Horn, Vanquisher's Banner, Time Wipe, Promise of Loyalty, Distant Melody, Pull from Tomorrow, and every single creature in the deck list is a banger, except uh, Night of the Last Breath, which is a really shitty uncommon from Guilds of Ravnica. But literally all of the rest of the creatures are bangers. Yeah, there's some like, sweet stuff in here. Shit. It even has Knights of the Black Rose, yeah. which notably is is in this deck and in this format at all because that introduces monarchy into your plane chase game yep. <laughs> uh, so more that's things. that's very exciting there to me yeah the, this ju just deck list overall i think looks like one of the strongest precons yeah that we've it's, seen it's sweet you can play this one out of the box yeah Absolutely. it's really good like minimal changes but uh you, you mentioned this a little bit ago let's talk just for a second about herald of hoofbeats Right, Herald of Hoofbeats. This is definitely one of these standout breakout cards from this deck. It's It's been discussed a lot as well. It is a mono blue knight. Uh, it is a four mana, three, three human knight, and it has horsemanship. Uh, so horsemanship, for anyone that's not familiar with it, it's a very old mechanic that was only around in the Portal and Portal 3 Kingdoms sets from a million years ago, uh, prehistory even, uh, which are, are notably some of the, uh, lots of these cards are like reserve listed or simply just have never been reprinted. Um, I know Imperial Seal was one that was like several hundred dollars for the longest time until it finally got its first reprint like two years ago or something like that. Um, Nature's Lore as well. Or not Nature's Lore, Three Visits. That was a $200 yeah. Nature's Lore uh, until it got reprinted and now it's like 99 cents. <laughs> Portal Three Kingdoms is a wacky time. But essentially, a horsemanship reads, this creature can't be blocked except by creatures with horsemanship. Essentially, when Portal Three Kingdoms came out, they wanted to maintain the ability for creatures to have effectively the mechanics of flying because it's important to the balance of the game and like, you know, blue and white, often a flying creatures is part of their identity, but they didn't want to have actual flying creatures because this was all about like feudal Chinese warriors, right? And so it would feel weird because they were actually trying to represent like the, the historical aspect of it, not the fantas not fantasized stuff. There's a bit of both, obviously, but they didn't want to start throwing around wings and magic powers and stuff. So they created horsemanship. It works exactly the same way as flying. It just doesn't say flying. Notably, creatures with reach can't block horsemanship. Horsemanship Only is strictly horsemanship. better than flying. Yeah. yeah. Now, Herald of Hoofbeats gives all of your other knights horsemanship other knights you control have horsemanship uh a on theme awesome super cool well done uh but beyond that that's a powerful effect it's one thing to say that flying creatures are hard to block because they are in a four-player game a flying creature almost always has at least one person it's able to hit uh horsemanship it's just a sweep like <laughs> no one has it no yeah. one does yep yeah, and like I said, Reach can't can't deal with it. Flying can't deal with it either. So dig deep to be able to block this. It is essentially reads that your knights are unblockable. And for such a combat-focused tribe, that's essential to success. This is a game-winning card right here. This is this is a win condition. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of insane and I I love it personally. I think that bringing back like an old really obscure mechanic a lot of people haven't seen is a very cool thing to do. Yeah. And it, it's a great card. Absolutely. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah. Overall, I think that this is a, a, a really sick precon. I think it's very cool. Like, basically, completely playable out of the box. Very Absolutely. minimal changes needed to make it, like, really, really good. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. That's all I have to say about that. This, this deck <laughs> looks great. Yeah, a lot of sweet stuff in here. We even see the return of Midnight Reaper. Yes. From, I believe this was the That's one of the Ravnica's. Yeah, I've played this in many a zombie deck, but it does have the knight creature type. 
Uh, that is notable. So that's, yeah, whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Midnight Reaper deals one damage to you and you draw a card. There's lots of room in this deck for reanimation and aristocrats and knights, and I'm so excited about it. It makes oh, yeah. me so happy. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one I have here, which is Divine Convocation. Alrighty. This is our Convoke deck, right? Yes. Alright, Mason, uh, take us away. Yeah, the face commander here is Kazla? I don't actually know. Uh, I'm going to say Kazla, the Broken Halo, which is three anonymous, blue, red, white, for a 5-4 legendary angel ally. Uh, she has Convoke and Flying Vigilance Haste. Whenever you cast another spell that has Convoke, scry to, then draw a card. You get a sick little preor... not preordain, um... Serum Visions? Not even Serum Visions. There's literally scry to and draw a card. What is that card called? Oh, yeah, that's preordain. That is preordain? I had it right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sick. All right, we, we got there. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's a nice little... Uh, whenever you Convoke, you, you get a preordain, which is pretty sick. Um, the secondary commanders are, uh, secondary commander is a team up of St. Draft and Rim Carolus. Sweet. Uh, yeah, very cool team up. I, I love Geist of St. Draft. Very cool stuff. Uh, this commander is blue, red, white for a 3-4 legendary spirit human with whenever St. Draft and, Chem Car uh, and Rem Carolus become tapped, create a 1-1 red human creature token uh, if this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, create a 1-1 one, one blue spirit creature token with flying. If it's the third time, create a 4-4 four, four white angel token with flying. Whenever you cast a spell that has Convoke, untap Saint Traft and Rem Carolus. So, I'm going to get this out of the way right now. These two commanders are awesome. I love Convoke as a mechanic. It is so sick. This deck list looks like ass. <laughs> the the deck is so bad it is so boring it is full of like shitty commons and cards that should never ever see play unless right. you're in really specific decks like goblin instigator unless you're playing fucking krenko what why is there a goblin instigator in this deck it's two <laughs> bodies for convoke but like come come on really there's not anything better that you could have put in I, I i think this deck list looks boring but i love the commanders i would be inclined to agree uh though i will say that a deck built around convoke can take advantage of low power a bunch of low power cards true, being put together yeah. more than other mechanics would be able to um in fact i would go so far as to say that if they gave this deck out of the box the same quality of cards that we see in like the night deck for example it would probably run the other ones over because of the I agree, of value that it's able to generate simply by having if you just played a bunch of bears in this deck just a bunch of like no ability two mana two twos you'd <laughs> still would be still able work. to generate a They're fair amount of value right yeah, yeah. um so now I will say there are there are some bangers in here like I really like Whirlwind of Thought right yeah. I really like uh, Tetsuko Umizawa Fugitive like that's one of the a new cool ones Mist Meadow Vanisher Mist Meadow Vanisher what sweet that one card do? yeah so this is kind of a little bit of a flashback to and not I'm not just saying it because it's a Kithkin this time <laughs> a little bit of a flashback to Mist Meadow Witch from the Lorewind block it's two and then a hybrid blue white mana so three mana for a three two whenever it becomes tapped blink a permanent essentially oh. a non-land non non-token permanant uh so yeah exile up to one target non-land non-token permanent return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step um there are ways in this deck to generate untap effects if you're upgrading or building this deck yourself you're gonna have more of them uh this is a powerful effect yeah uh, this card is sweet um at worst once a turn you're probably going to be convoking something out and you're going to be getting value from that like cloud of fairies in this deck blinking your oh, cloud yeah. of fairies with your miss meadow vanisher that's sweet that's awesome now would i rather it was in a uh, like a great whale and i was getting eight mana instead of two yeah sure but you know we don't put great whales in pre-cons right yeah <laughs> yeah i i'm I'm going to say, like, like I said a little bit ago, both of these commanders are very sick. Out of the two, I actually like St. Traft and Rem Carolus more. Uh, I think I do, too. I really like like the, uh, the the scaling effects, right? That's one of my yep. favorite things to see. Me too. Like, you tap this guy repeatedly, and you keep getting payoffs for it. That's super yep. sick. 
My favorite example we've seen of that in the past. Um, I mean, obviously, there's like Omnath Locus of Creation. I don't love that card. Um, It's just just a little good. It's a little good, yeah. uh, But I think the first time we ever saw an effect like that was actually in the uh, Strixhaven Commander pre-cons when we had uh, Raffi Thunderconductor. Or Raffi Zafine? Is that his name? I don't remember, honestly. Either Raffi or Zafine. Anyway, <laughs> he has an ability where it it uh, it's contingent upon the amount of mana that you pay for a spell. If it's uh, a small amount of mana, then you just scry one. If it's a larger amount of mana, uh, then you uh, scry one and make a 4-4 elemental token. And then if it's above 10 mana, then you deal 10 damage to each opponent. Oh my um, god, that's sick. It's sweet. It's really, really cool. He was, he was kind of the... Um, the prototype for that kind of effect what i really like about it is that it naturally increases in power as the game goes on in time and you gain access to more mana and stuff is it likely that the turn that you cast saint draft or rem careless you're going to get a 4-4 angel no i would not say that it's likely but i would say that it's likely that you get a a 1-1 red human yeah Um, and then you and you hold on to those tokens too, and they they only power up your convoke effects by giving you more bodies. So it it kind of builds upon itself exponentially in a way that's really really cool. Uh, and not only that, but something that I love when I play a token deck, I look for one of two things: I want a bunch of one token, or I want every card that makes a token to make a different token. <laughs> <laughs> those are my two favorite ways to play token decks, and I love that this card makes three different tokens on its on its uh, its text. Yeah. I, I do think um, overall this deck would need a lot of changes. I would pull the uh, I would pull the commanders and then just a couple of the other cards. But like you, you get some cool stuff. Like you get care yeah. keep. That's pretty sick. I like care, care keep. Care keep is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know. I don't have too much to say about this one. Really like the commanders. Really like a couple of the new cards and a few reprints. But overall. Right probably the one i'm least interested in i do think i'll build a saint traft and rem careless deck i I yeah, really do believe that sweet. but i am not gonna buy this whole ass pre-con for right. that i'm gonna buy them i will as a say <laughs> i will say this deck does actually technically have an option for a third commander out of the box kaikar wins fury true this true. one is not new from this set we first saw kaikar and i believe uh m 21 i believe if i remember correctly was it 21 or did he come all the way it was back 20 or 20 it was 20 or 21 because it was the same cycle of legends oh, with it's 20. with like three mana Om, omnath or uh, yeah three color omnath and that stuff yeah um so kaikar uh you could play this one as a commander and i do think it would operate pretty well it essentially it's a four mana three three with flying whenever you cast a non-creature spell create a one one white spirit with flying and you can sacrifice a spirit uh, to add a red um oh, yeah. if you're cool if you use a pimp then you play kaikara spirit tribal i'm just saying oh yeah absolutely um, <laughs> uh i don't know i i think it's fine overall not super exciting. Yeah. Gonna pull singles for sure. One more thing that I would like to say about Kazla in particular, uh, something that I love to see in my command zone is any commander that has a cost reduction effect. Oh, yeah. Um, she technically doesn't have one, but she has Convoke. Uh, you can pay zero mana to cast her, and you can use Convoke to pay for commander tax as well. Um, some of my favorite commanders of all time that have had effects like this are like Carador Ghost Chieftain and cost one less for each creature in your graveyard. Hogak, Arisen Necropolis. This, but better. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's got Delve, too. True. Um, yeah, I... I love to see that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Fine. Not, not the worst precon I've ever seen. So there, there's that. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. If you, if you think we're done over there, uh, Absolutely. To call for backup. Uh, Alrighty. if you want to take this one away, it's your turn again. I certainly will. So we've got bright palm soul awakener looking at the call for brat for backup deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so this is, this is a Naya deck and a Naya creature, uh, one, a red, a green and a white for a four, three legendary creature, Fox shaman with backup one. If you guys recall from last week, or if you just are new to the show or haven't checked out, um, you know, because I expect everyone to listen to every episode from yeah, the very yeah. beginning for all time. Correct. <laughs> uh, or if you're just not familiar with the mechanic from the new set, backup reads that it puts a number of plus one plus one counters equal to its value. So backup one is one plus one plus one counters. 
uh, on target creature. If if it's a different creature, because you can't actually target the same creature with it, but if it's a different creature, it gains the next ability on the card until the end of turn. This one says whenever this creature attacks, double the number of plus one plus one counters on target creature. That creature can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less this turn. Now, I will say that for me, this is the least exciting commander out of all ten. Agreed. Agreed. However, do not underestimate it. No, it's, uh, it's still very good. The, I think this will also be the... Well, I think it's the least exciting one. I think it will also be the one that is most likely to come out the gates swinging and just knock one of the four players out of the game in, like, in 45 seconds. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of... Um, Again, I'm going to make a comparison to the Strixhaven commanders. There was the... I don't recall the name of the creature, but the Black-White Owl... Nobody was really terribly excited about it, but I remember my a friend of mine bought that precon, and we played all of them against each other, and he won most of the games simply by the virtue of having giant creatures with a million plus one plus one counters on them, uh, just came crashing into our faces. No one's no one saw it coming, and he just murdered the hell of us. Ever since then, uh, I've been. Uh, I keep my eyes peeled for stuff like yeah, <laughs> for stuff yeah. like that. This is not an exciting card to me. Uh, it is a powerful card, and there are certainly cards in existence that playing Bright Palm alongside it is going to be really powerful. A great example is actually in this deck, Champion of Lamholt. Oh yeah, right. Oh, um, uh, as I briefly mentioned last week, one thing that plus one plus one counters are often kind of missing as as a deck and in their strategies is ways to just pick and choose creatures and go, I'm going to put a counter on you when they don't already have a counter on them um, outside of some like really inefficient, what like there's probably infinite commons and uncommons for one and two mana that do exactly that, but you don't want to play those one-off effects into your deck more than likely you're looking for synergy. That's where plus one plus one counter strategies get all of their powers from synergy between their cards. Right. But I will say that that is, not only Bright Palm, but Backup as as a mechanic does a really good job of filling in those gaps and also giving more options to plus one, plus one counter strategies that don't contain blue. Yeah. Absolutely. Or even some that don't even contain green. Obviously, Backup is also a green mechanic, but it's also in red and it's in white and some of these other colors as well. And that, that's going to fill in gaps for some other strategies, too, that I think is really cool. Um, Bright Palm, like I said do some really powerful stuff and stuff like champion of lamb like maybe it already has one counter on it you back up one give it one more counter uh and then it attacks and now it's got four already that, that's a that's a huge acceleration right um there, there's a lot of, of really strong stuff you can do with this commander even though it doesn't excite me that much i think it's mainly just a case of it doesn't have that many moving parts right it, it doesn't um have a ton of like it's it's kind of a one-trick pony right yeah for sure uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just not my style it's it's pretty good at that one trick it does exactly yes this card will kill people uh, do not do not underestimate that uh it, it will especially kill people uh with the with the second face commander which i think is uh, a lot more exciting and probably agree. maybe even too strong Holy yeah, shit. So Shalai and Halar. Uh, so this is another team up. I, I'm really liking that. Like each one of these decks has like the commander and then a, another team up. I really, yeah. I really love that. Uh, so this one, same colors, same cost. In fact, is a four mana three three. Uh, in Naya colors, Angel Elf. So this is two creatures from Dominaria uh, with flying and vigilance. So kind of a classic Sarah Angel situation here. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on a creature you control, Shalai and Halar deals that much damage to target opponent. This card's fucking crazy. This this <laughs> goes uh in the words of Pleasant Kenobi, a fellow uh magic YouTuber that's a lot more popular than us. Uh this goes infinite with a ham sandwich. This goes infinite with fucking everything. There there are so many things that you just like you play Shalai and Halar and one other card, and you win the game. Do you have any examples? Uh, Heliod. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, he yeah Heliod, Shalai, and Halar wins you the game. Wow, and that curves out perfectly, too, because yep. Heliod's five mana, right? Uh, Heliod's four. 
Oh, pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, this card is insane. The The traditional combo that a lot of people play in, like, Historic on Magic Arena is Scurry Oak, which is whenever yeah. a plus one, plus one counter goes on it, uh, you make a 1-1. One, one. Uh, it's Scurry Oak, Heliod, uh, which is whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on something, and then, like, Soul Warden, right? Whenever something right. ETBs gain one life. Shalai and Halar cuts out two other pieces of that combo it's just right. shalai halar and heliod yeah it's a, it's essentially a one card combo because shalai and halar are in your command zone already yeah right? so it's really fucking good and, and literally that there are so many like infinite life tricks you can do in right. commander that's plus any cards that says when you gain life put a plus one plus one counter on this right like, like ajani's so, pride it, it wins you the game yeah yeah it's crazy. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, th this card is absolutely absurd. I think it will... I I think that this is a crazy good commander. I think yeah, people are going to do crazy shit with this. I Yeah, I think I actually really want to play Shalai and Halar. Um, I'll definitely put Rypalm in that deck, but um, I don't really intend to play any, any of the combos, or at least I'm going to try not to. We'll see if I stumble upon any. Um as tends to happen when you're 30 years deep in magic the gathering you know <laughs> sometimes combos just hatch but anywho um if you guys have ever played uh, a plus one plus one counter deck before you know that like this effect is a lot of damage oh yeah uh, by turn four you can very easily have five creatures in play and put eight plus one plus one counters on uh, you know across across them right that's eight damage right to somebody's dome that's respectable. I, what I really love about this is just being able to grind out all of that damage just for essentially it rewards me for dirtling, right? Because my least favorite thing to do with my giant creatures from plus one plus one counter decks is attack with them. <laughs> I just want to have them. <laughs> <laughs> just have big creatures and beat yeah, them. Yeah. Right. And just cherish them forever. I don't want to have to tap them for any reason. Uh, and so this really I, I, I love because it it rewards me for just hanging back and dirtling. Uh, all I have to do is grow my board. I don't need to use it. Yeah. Um, I, I will say overall, I like the deck list. I think it's very good overall, but I will say a Great. little fucking boring. Like, it is the plus one, plus one right. counter deck list. Like, holy shit, a commander deck built around plus one, plus right. one counters that has Armorcraft Judge in the 99? No <laughs> fucking way. Yeah. And, I like, that, say, that's yeah. not a bad thing, but I'm just, yeah. like, I wish there it were a little more... It does kind of read, like, an AI could have built this deck yeah. list, right? <laughs> what things do plus one, plus one counters right. MTG? Yeah. It's an interesting conversation to have because I think plus one plus one counters as a strategy and as an archetype has a lot more homogenization in it than a lot of archetypes do. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's just got such a huge pool of cards to choose from, right? And especially when it, when you look at like the core functions of, of these decks in green, you see stuff like you know, your Gyre Sages, your Incubation yeah. Druids, you know, your, your Armorcraft Judges, Brawn, you know, you're going to see what these else? in... <laughs> you're gonna see these in fertilid oh my lord yeah. this yeah. card is amazing uh, you're gonna see these um in so many plus one plus one counter decks and, and like you said it's not necessarily a bad thing there's a reason that it wants to be played that those cards want to be played in those decks right because they're good it's because mm -hmm. they because they work and i think this kind of has something in common with the convoke deck that we just discussed in that it is a little boring um because I think it's it's just another mechanic that is all about piling as many pieces of it together as you can. Yeah. And regardless of what they do, you know, the, their sum is greater than their parts, right? Yeah, for sure. And and so I think that's always kind of the case with decks like that. And so I think seeing that here is not a surprise to me at all. Um, this one, I actually, I, I, I fucks with this deck. Um, I, I think I, it's very strong in general. Yeah. I, I will definitely say that. And there are some really cool set pieces. Like, it's not all just, you know, the, the plus one, plus one counter package. And I do like the deck, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but you get some cool pieces like Strionic Resonator. We got Slurk all ingesting. We got True. Brawn as previously Hamza mentioned. Guardian of Arishin. I love this yes. card. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's some cool stuff. Um, definitely not upset by it at all. Yeah. Um, I think Bright Palm is boring, but strong, like we said. And Shalai and Halar is fucking insane, and I'm going to build a commander deck around it. Yeah. Yeah. But very good deck overall, I think.
Now, I, Mason, what, uh, what what time is it next? Uh, it is time for tinkering. Uh, <laughs> the final commander deck we have here is Tinker Time. And my fucking god, we briefly talked on about this on camera, or off camera, uh, after last episode. And it makes me a little sad. So let's go over the commanders real quick. Um, Gimbal, Gremlin Prodigy. Which is sweet. a sick fucking card. Uh, this card's two, sweet. Yeah, two anonymous green, blue, red for a 4-4 legendary gremlin artificer that says artifact creatures you control have trample. At the beginning of your end step, create a 0-0 red gremlin artifact creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it where X is the number of differently named artifact tokens you control insane card super fucking cool i love him artwork is great he's my little guy no one is gonna (laughs) play this card yeah and i will tell you exactly why and it's because of the second commander which is rash yeah what gimbal does have the unfortunate look sort of little brother syndrome yes uh just being unfortunately overshadowed by the other commander in this deck go ahead yeah that's that's rashmi and ragavan in in traditional uh style there is not a card named ragavan that is not completely broken um this is one anonymous green blue red for a two four legendary elf monkey so one mana cheaper than gimbal already just right off the bat. And whenever you cast your first spell during each of your turns, exile the top card of target opponent's library and create a treasure token. Then you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost if it's a spell with mana value less than the number of artifacts you control. If you don't cast it this way, you may cast it this turn. And this effect, I am so sorry, Gimbal, is just better it it's is so truly insane. much better. It is absurd yeah. what this card does. This this would be fair. This would be a fair effect at six mana. Yeah, but it, we see I it agree. at four. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's it's the Ragavan effect. Insane. Yeah, it's truly it's truly a text box where every time you kind of round a corner while reading the text box, it's like, oh well, this could be a drawback. Then the designers just go, no. Yeah. No, we got we got you. Don't worry. Yep. It's like, oh, oh, okay. So so okay. It all it only triggers once during each of your turns. All right. That that's a reasonable drawback. Exile the top card of someone's uh library. Okay. Uh, that's really weak on its own. Uh, then you create a treasure token. All right. That's already pretty sick. Like for for just casting a spell, you get mana. That's really good. Right. Also, you can play that card you exiled for free if you have enough artifacts. Okay, that's insane, but, you know, maybe I don't have enough artifacts. Ah, bro, don't worry. You can just cast it anyway using your regular mana. Like, that's... It is so absurd. Don't even trip, says Rashmi. Do not fucking worry about it, bro. This card is absurd. (laughs) Yeah. It is fucking insane. Yeah, I'm probably gonna play it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, Oftentimes, when I see cards at this kind of unhinged level of power, I will be kind of turned off from them. Uh, this one, I still want to play. Uh, one of the big reasons for that is simply the colors. Yes, uh, I, I really enjoy this combination of colors, and it's one of the more starved. Uh, I mean, really, no one is starved anymore. <laughs> this is the remember the year of Commander, yeah, and th- and then the next year had like three times as many Commander products in it as the year of Commander. Um, yeah, we live in in the age of Commander now, mm-hmm. but anyway, traditionally, Teamer has been more starved of options for Commanders than a lot of the other colors, and even though no one's really starved anymore, it does still have less options. Um, and one of the big things is that even though it has more options now, a lot of them are just Hulk Smash. Um, yep. and so I really love to see, like I said, I love decks with moving parts. Uh, and, and so I, I love, I love to see that. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very obviously powerful effect, a very cool effect. I wish Gimbal wasn't overshadowed because I love him. He's, he's my little guy, right. but yeah, Rashmi and Raghavan are going to make fantastic commanders and this deck list fucking rules. It, it is does. sick. We got like tireless tracker in here. Felder Gilded of the Goose. Third taste. G- yeah, Gilded Goose. We got Hellkite Igniter, which uh I'm actually surprised to see that they put Academy Manufacturer <laughs> in the pre-con. That is a yeah. powerful card yeah. with like this. 
You get all kinds of stuff, too. Uh, some stuff um, not very often seen either, like the card Rise and Shine from uh, Modern yeah. Horizons 2, which is not a very popular card. Is this I... the one that mass animates your artifacts? Yes, it's very sick. Yeah. Uh, especially with artifact generators like <laughs> Ragvan and Rashmi. Uh, but yeah, we got our good old thought casts, you know, all kinds of artifacts, like all the signets in these colors. We right. got replication ring, very sick fucking deck list. Yeah. Spell swindle. I love spell swindle. Curse of opulence is in this. Yes. Yeah. It's just very good yeah. overall. Um, it also yeah. comes with a Sahili sublime artificer. So that's just yeah. a nice little, you know, nice little. Bonus. I will say. There is kind of an interesting conversation to be had when it comes to, like, I mean, obviously, it's pretty clear to see that Rashmi and Ragavan are more powerful than Gimbal, oh, yeah. cost less mana, are is typically going to be more useful. Um, but when you start looking into why, I think it's a bit of an interesting conversation, because in a vacuum, uh, Gimbal's not a weak card by any no, means. No, no, not at all. He's very good. I think one of the big reasons why... I mean, at first I was going to say why we perceive Rashmi and Ragavan as better. Rashmi and Ragavan why are Rashmi better. Why Rashmi and Ragavan are better, yeah. They they really are because of just the the traditions and the way that people play Commander. Like I said, I don't like to attack with my giant creatures. <laughs> I, I like to sit back, grow my board, and dirtle, which is really common for a lot of people. A lot of people have this mindset, yeah. which, hell, this could be an episode all on its own. <laughs> How but you a lot should of people, play Commander. <laughs> right. Uh, but tons of people, you see, ha have a mindset of, like, we're all going to put walls around our battlefields, and then we're all nobody's going to interact with anybody else, um, and we're all just going to try and outpace the other people. And, mm -hmm. then green, and then green wins because it outpaces people faster. That's just yep. what it does. You know, so when you, when you, when you take... Like, it's like taking a bus full of people and being like, hey, we're going to do a boxing tournament, right? And then everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. So how are we going to, like, divide us up? It's like, oh, we're not. Uh, So my team is the big guy, <laughs> right? Like, you're probably going to win, right? That's that's what green does in that kind of environment, which is why we see green sprint ahead of other colors in a lot of ways in Commander, because of the way that people play, right? Because they have that mindset of, even when people do play interaction, it's less so than we like percentage wise, we see a lot less interaction than we would in other formats. Um, if commander were pl played in a more traditional way, I think gimbal, I don't think gimbal would be better. I think gimbal would be it, kind of an apples and oranges situation where like, these are your two options. Rashmi is your value commander. Gimbal kills people because yeah. gimbal is a win condition. Rashmi oh, yeah, is not sure. No, yeah, Rashmi and Regvan are just value generation for, right. for other finishers. And uh, to be fair, some of your finishers might come from other people's decks while you're right. playing Rashmi and Regvan, but you can't guarantee that, of course. So yeah, Gimbal is definitely like a finisher. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool stuff. Fantastic deck list overall. Insane commanders. Fun. Very fun, cool effects. Cool oh, there's a there's a particular card in here that I wanted to yes bring up. Oh, it doesn't. One moment, it's not appearing here. It doesn't want to doesn't want to show you. Yeah, one second. Where is it? Dance with calamity. Dance. With this card calamity. is really cool. Uh, it's sort of like playing blackjack, but with Magic the Gathering card. So it's an eight mana red sorcery. You shuffle your library as many times. So that way, like, no matter what you do, you can be looking at the top of your deck for the entire game. Doesn't matter. You're gambling. That's what Red says you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Red's not going to let you set up for this, right? So you shuffle your library as many times as you choose. You may exile the top card of your library. If the total mana value of the cards exiled this way is 13 or less, you may cast any number of spells from among those cards without paying their mana cost. If you go over 13, they're just exiled, baby. Oh my you are God. literally playing Blackjack. The number is just 13 instead of 21. Holy shit, Innistrad card with 13 on it? No way. I don't even think about that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, it's an Innistrad flavored card. Yeah, They do love that. That's fucking sick. That is a fun card. This card's awesome, yeah. Uh, it could wow. definitely be busted. I think it'd be hilarious to put this in a deck where it's the only card like that has... Cheerios? Yeah, a mana cost... The only card with a mana value higher than zero. Yeah. <laughs> just play your yeah. entire deck. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, that's very funny. I like that I mean, a lot. I could actually even see this 
the may, who knows maybe i'll am about to maybe i'm about to become the m- most hilarious legacy player in the world you play dance with you play one copy of dance with calamity in your deck and you play whatever other finisher for less than 13 mana uh and you just cast dance with calamity and then exile your entire deck and play your win condition uh it's called uh it's called uh, dance with calamity uh, a whole bunch of ornithopters, you know, zero drop cards, uh, and impact trimmers. Like one copy, yeah, one go. copy of impact trimmers, yeah. and then you win off of that. That would be hilarious. That would be really funny. That would be really funny. I do like that a lot. The real actually. question is, how do you how do you get dance with dance calamity? With calamity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would need something else, but that's fun. That's a very fun card. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, very yeah, cool design really space. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I think overall, like looking at these commander lists as a package deal, I think these are very sick overall. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of the commanders. The decks with commanders that I don't like at least have something interesting in the deck. The right. decks that I don't like have interesting commanders. Like there's yep. no lose-lose here. Um, I will be yeah, buying a it. lot of singles though. This is a well done uh, set. This is a really well done package. Um, yeah. I also really love to see, you know, obviously they can't do this every time, or you know, it, it would it would tire things out pretty quickly. But I always love to see when we get more options for these wedge color combinations. Obviously, oh, yeah. Brim has Brim has kind of the, the odd one out here. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the because I mean, since the beginning of time, these are the colors that have less options. So it always really excites me when we get more. Oh yeah. Very sick stuff. I don't really know what else to say, honestly. I think that this will be a very fun bunch of sets to play with, especially in conjunction with some of the new cards coming out of the main set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think these decks actually do a better job of playing with the main set mechanics than a lot of other times when they've done similar stuff released alongside um, a main set. I mean, Ikoria did a pretty good job of that um and they've attempted to do that again and again since then but i think the icoria and march of the machines are the two ones i can really think of uh where the the commander's decks play so well with the main set mechanics i guess brothers war as well that doesn't really count because the only mechanic is like have an artifact yeah have artifact (laughs) yeah very very true yeah so is there anything else that we wanted to cover about these decks uh, for this episode, for the end of this week? I think that I've about covered everything I have to say. Right on, um, me too. Real quick before we end, just shout out to all of like the artists that did stuff, especially in like the commanders and team-ups. Oh, the, so the, the art for this set overall, March of the Machines amazing. in general, is incredible. So many of the sieges, the battles are so oh, amazing yeah. to look at. Oh, the, the Ravnica one? Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Such a sweet card. Yep, yeah, that very sick. art top to bottom. The flavor text on these cards is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like we said last week, um, this this set really is like a celebration of what it is to be a fan of Magic. Magic 30, everyone. Magic 30. It, this we, is Magic We finally 30. made it. Yeah. We finally did it. Impressive. Uh, but I think that's about it for this week. I think next week our goal is to cover maybe some more of the story implications. Yeah, so talk about some narrative stuff, uh, recap on on the stuff that has happened, and discuss some of the stuff that we think might happen. Yeah, so so a pretty big shift from our last couple like spoiler sessions, you know, right, less right. focus on cards and more focused on yeah. uh, the narrative and what we might see in the future. Yeah, we, so. obviously we already we already have the product slate for this year for the stuff that's coming out, so we're gonna be taking you know that and interviews articles stuff like that cross-referencing those to check out you know how we think the story might interact with this the the sets and the settings that we know we're going to be visiting this year so Mm -hmm. so stay tuned for that and until then we'll see you soon (laughs) 